Um, so after three, we're both going to clap our hands. So I know how to loop this all, sync this audio in post. Ready? One clap or okay? Multiple. We just do one clap, like, like, that sort of thing. After three, okay. one, two. Are we recording? By the way, yeah, I'm recording now. <laughs> is this is this in the podcast? <laughs> it will be, maybe. We'll see. Oh, sorry, I didn't realize we started. So. <laughs> it's all right. One, two, three. You're too late. <laughs> I didn't. On three, mate. You did it. One, two, three, clap. Ready? Are we clapping on four then, effectively? Yes. One, two, okay. three, clap. Ready? One, okay. two, three. What? Why are you so slow? It sounded perfectly in sync. It really didn't. Anyway, I'll find it in post. Well, I mean, but, but you're hearing me out of sync, but that's why we're clapping, because we know the audio will be out of sync, and you'll use the clap to sync it, right? Yeah, providing you're not clapping out of sync, just to be obtuse. Am I supposed to be recording my audio, by the way? No, you're not recording your audio. I'm recording okay. your audio. I've got your okay. audio and my audio. Recording. This is complicated, isn't it? Podcast, mate. Man. Delicious, really absolutely the technical wizardry that's involved. Right. Anyway, so this is the pilot podcast of keeping on track, and uh, I'm Bradley Williams. I suppose you want a surname, and you are. I'm Adam Heath. Adam Heath. Um. So I think I'm wondering whether we should have like a theme tune. Like, do you think I should put one in or not bother? Like, every week we'll just, I'll just do like an introduction and then we'll have a cold open. I see, I'm the sort of person that I can't make that decision until I'm editing it. Yeah. Then I have to sort of play with music. I think Just Us might be a bit bit dull. There's some music, but. Like, like, we could sing. You know, like when we sung the Home and Away theme song? Yeah. <clears throat> we could do something like that. Yeah, but that but, was organic. I, I like it when it's organic, like just when organic it's planned. Burst into song type thing. Well, I mean, if you burst into song, I'll join you. I think what we do at some point, we might just find a song and burst into it. And then if we like it, then that will be the theme tune. Um, but I can't... I just, I, I, I'm going to flag it early. I don't know, just sorry to interrupt, but... Go on. When we were sort of 17, 18 years old, do you remember being told by our lecturers at college we were a bit self-indulgent? <laughs> I'm just wondering if the same might be said of this podcast. <laughs> it probably will be. Yeah. But then if someone's going to listen to it, then that self-indulgence is, is maybe slightly warranted. I don't know. Yeah. Like, okay. right, well, you, you feel free to sing a song at any time and I'll join you. I guess it's like it. if a tree falls in the forest, you know, and someone hears it, then is that tree... That tree's not indulgent anymore, right? That tree's enjoying itself falling over and yeah. someone's just happening to hear it. So... I want people Deep. to enjoy the sounds of us falling over. <laughs> I think it's already happened, to be honest. Shortest lived podcast in history. No, we'll make it work. Done. Anyway, I suppose we should tell people what they're listening to, right? Um, so uh, this is a podcast that is designed to um, broach, I guess, semi-serious topics or t serious topics. Obviously, OnTrack's a learning and development company, so uh, we'll find a way each time to, to tie it back into something related to that. But hopefully, in the meantime, you and I just chatting rubbish will be enough. And um, for those that don't know, um, I'm the production manager, the digital production manager for OnTrack. And, uh, and Adam's my colleague, one of the creatives that works here as well. 
Um, and so we are predominantly coming at this from the angle of uh, film, animation, podcasts, music, literature, whatever we feel like, really. I guess whatever makes us sound the most educated. But um, if you don't like it, you don't have to listen. But if you do like it, hopefully you'll have some fun along the way. Um, does that sound like a fair summation, Adam? That's the most you've told me about <laughs> so far, so, yeah. Dragged, dragged you into it. <laughs> just got told, can you answer this call? I'm going to call sure. you in ten minutes, just answer, and uh, we'll go. Sounds good. I'm, I mean, it almost sounds like you've got a plan, but I know you better than that. No, you definitely haven't got a plan. I've got, I got notes. I got some notes, but uh, but yeah, I can't imagine that there's going to be tons of structure. But we'll see how we get on, right? So today, I thought we'd obviously we'd hit hard with this whole COVID nineteen stuff, and um, mm. maybe look at the potential future of businesses um, post pandemic. Or what comes? Is it epidemic and then pandemic, or is it pandemic and then epidemic? I think you're right. Yeah. I, I, I was sort of loosely following because in the early stages of this there was a lot of commentary online about will it, when will it become a pandemic and so I yeah. was interested in the terminology a few weeks ago uh, and now I'm more focused on can I get toilet roll and uh, bread and those are kind of my primary concerns. Actually I'm not that concerned about toilet roll, I've just admitted to a problem I don't actually have, to be honest. But, but um, yeah, no, pandemic, epidemic, I mean it's all pretty, pretty, pretty serious stuff so... Yeah, but I guess in the meantime, we have to plan for the future. And I think part of that is looking at how businesses will adapt um, going forward, because I think it's inevitable that the businesses are going to have to adapt. And, you know, I'm not one to know tons and tons about that sort of subject. So what I thought I would do is frame it in my favourite <laughs> favorite thing of all time, which would be to talk about it through the medium of a film. And to use the movie Contagion as our kind of uh, touchstone for for what that might look like, what those changes are, and uh, the the film itself has been heralded. And, and the reason why we're using Contagion, first of all, is because it has been heralded as um, a reasonably scientifically and um, anthropologically sound is that a word anthropologically yeah, yeah. i think so yeah. sound um study of a film and um obviously the um the connotations the similarities between um the virus in that film <clears throat> and uh, covid19 you know they're 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 manifest so i think that that would be a good film to talk about now i asked adam earlier in the week to watch the film adam did you watch the film I didn't know I had to. I mean, you mentioned it. I didn't know I had to watch it. I just, you said we'll talk about Contagion, and I figured we. I, I didn't. Do I need to watch it? Is that important for? <laughs> well, it'll make an interesting conversation. I mean, but for those of I, you, you, you know, Adam, Adam the, doesn't really watch a film. I mean, it, should we admit that we don't watch? Why well, don't watch movies on this podcast? I think we probably should. I think the, the, it's going to become evident very quickly. Um, that for some, but that, I like to think that gives me a different perspective. Because <laughs> if you've all seen those films, and I have, or a lack, have a different or a lack thereof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Ad, Adam's actually um, seen the special features of the Lord of the Rings trilogy a thousand times, but has probably only seen the film once, maybe twice. 
See, I, I know you giggle and laugh about it, but I, you know, I think there's a, some rationale behind it. I am far more interested in how films are made than the films themselves. Yeah. Um, but I haven't seen the movie nor the special features of Contagion. <laughs> Is it Steven Soderbergh or who made? Yeah, Steven Soderbergh. Yeah, Steven. Oh, Steven Soderbergh. Yeah. Spoiler alert: We will be talking about the film, and uh, there will be significant spoilers. So if you haven't seen the film, pause this, go and watch it. I'm sure it's on Netflix, iTunes, and whatever other outlet you know is trying to capitalise on the current situation. But um, go watch That's, the film. I mean, I've seen podcasts do this, mm. FYI, where they say, "Pause this, go and check out such and such article." Yeah, I don't know if I've any, heard anyone say, "Pause this and go and watch a two-hour movie and come back." There you go. See, that might, might be stretching <laughs> it to some people first. are going to do that. <laughs> we were first. Go watch that two-hour film. Um, and then come back so you can make a whole afternoon it's not like you've got anywhere to go so let's make an afternoon out of it right um, so the film itself uh, is about a virus um, that starts or originates in China specifically Hong Kong and um, <clears throat> there are I think five initial carriers um, one is a model from London that uh, you have a, a, a businesswoman from Chicago or I think she's I can't remember where she's from there she stops in it she stops off at Chicago sorry on her way home to have an affair and uh, then you have a couple of other people that, that live in various provinces in China and um, the movie just kind of goes from there and, and, and the outbreak kind of gets bigger and bigger and bigger and after a you know a short period of months it's um, killed something like 20 million people globally and um, it's an ensemble piece uh, which character which kind of focuses on different characters so you have Matt Damon's character um, Lawrence Fishburne with Jude Law who plays this kind of seedy hideous like kind of I don't know what you call him he's a bit like a, is it Alex Jones you know the guy that kind of does all those weird podcasts like about aliens and conspiracy yeah, theories yeah. and uh, Marianne Coulthard she, she's a scientist that ends up getting caught up in um, in China and, and there's a few different characters in it uh, Kate Winslet's in it as well um, but basically the, the movie kind of follows these different people and how this this virus outbreak uh, affects them and, and what they do and how they go about it and it's a little bit like a detective story because I think they're kind of trying to figure out where it comes from and how to cure it naturally um, and then obviously um, there, there's there's an element of it that's like a thriller because there's this this virus is this um, this unseen thing and there's even a scene near the end of the movie where you kind of follow the the origin of, of, of this um, uh, this virus as it goes from from bat to pig to restaurant to chef to Gwyneth Paltrow and etc etc so the whole thing is this is this kind of you know this detective element, this thriller element to it. But um, in terms of some of the things that I noticed in it that I felt were quite interesting, there were some things that I tried to tie back to um, business and business ethics and, and and what I think will affect businesses going forward. Okay. Um, so first of all, soap. <laughs> Wash your damn hands, right? That's the that's the overall message of the movie is washing your hands and so i wonder whether is that, is that your interpretation no seriously that, like this the, the chef's funny? like stuffing a pig's mouth at the end of the movie and then he goes and he wipes his hands on his 
um, his aprons and then he goes and shakes Gwyneth Paltrow's hands and it's kind of like if the chef had just washed his hands yeah. Um, yeah. and then the whole thing. So I'm wondering whether, you know, social etiquettes will change in the future because we're, we're a handshaking nation, right? That's what we do. People shake hands and uh, it's, you know, it's almost seen as rude sometimes. I, I, obviously certain... Um, certain societies and, and, and certain cultures are, are less shaky than others. But um, it's, it's a big thing, right? Could you imagine meeting someone for the first time and, and not shaking their hand? I think I can imagine it now. I mean, like, like, like you've said, the, the world is going to be changed after this. Mm. There's, there's, there's little kind of uh, doubt about that. Um, I don't know. This is an odd comparison. I feel, I feel we're on difficult ground with this subject at the minute um just because it's you know we're, we're living through it so it's a strange thing to talk about and make too many judgments about mm. um but I, I not to to directly compare but i was having a conversation recently and talking about uh 9-11 right and talking about for me you, you can look back and see that the way the world changed that that day and and, and we're still marked by it you know, there are things that have changed in the way we conduct ourselves, where we travel, flights, mm-hmm. you know, security controls. And I feel like this is similar to me. There'll be a con- the consequence of this. You'll be able to look back in 20 years' time and see that was the point it changed. Whether that is, like you said, an increased awareness of personal hygiene and washing hands, whether there's a, an adaptation in that kind of close contact we have. Um, yeah, it feels inevitable. Technical faults. <laughs> are we going to? Are we recording? Yeah, we're recording now. So we're we going to tell everyone about our technical faults. Are we going to pretend it didn't happen? Uh, now let's let's uh, say we did have a technical fault, and we've we've resolved that. When I edit it together, I'll try and make something of the conversation. But mm-hmm. there may be a strange lapse in the logic of your your argument. Oh yeah, um, I mean, I'm going to have to try and pick up something I was saying 45 <laughs> minutes ago now, and, and try and make it sound seamless. No problem. What was your statement? You said um, the one thing that will persist post-coronavirus is technical problems. So oh, com- convinced, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's not going away. You were comparing it a little bit to 9-11 and you said that yeah, the world changed. Uh, only in so much as I, I was having a conversation with someone about, for me, 9-11 sticks in the memory. It's, it's an event we lived through when we, you know, we were young. We, we kind of saw it and we felt the impact and years later you can still look back and see how the world changed from that point and the changes are still with us um, and this feels a little bit similar like i feel in 20 years time you'll look back and spot that this was the point when certain social conventions changed i think that that seems to me to be inevitable mm. and we'll, we'll reassess a lot of things we do like you said some of the cultural things of handshakes and that close proximity interaction the, the kind of hand washing I, I i'm pretty sure most of us have probably realised how much more care we need to take with washing our hands. We probably realised we didn't do it enough, and it's become obvious through this, this kind of uh, this episode. Yeah. So, do you think that that's going to have an impact on business etiquette and the way we treat clients and colleagues? I I don't know about physically. I mean, maybe. Who are we to say? Um, I think what is immediately obvious is here's the thing I'm seeing in business. I, mm. I think there are companies that have already for years embraced certain progressive philosophies to their work. So I'm talking about working from home, for example. 
-hmm. There are companies that are years into that, four or five years down the line. There are companies just discovering the value of that now, and and it's it's, it's revolutionary, and they can't believe, oh, this is incredible. Um, we can do it. We can work remotely. We can trust our staff. We can increase productivity, actually. There's a lot of studies that suggest you can increase productivity by working, letting people work from home. Mm. Um, and I feel like this... As for, it's, a, it's, a, it's forced a mass social experiment, hasn't it? How many organizations could actually do what they do, but also trust people to work from home, trust people to work with a better kind of balance, home and work life, mm-hmm. you know, intermingled. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm convinced there'll be way more remote working, there'll be way more video conferencing, there'll be way more of this kind of digital connected interaction than there was before. Mm-hmm. Um and that's going to mean rewriting some of the rule books, I guess. Some of the kind of conventions of how the businesses operate. For us, that's probably going to mean making lots of videos about how you can work remotely. How do you stay in touch? How do you interact? How do you do your work? What yeah. changes? What are the systematic kind of impacts? Um, I don't know about you, but that, that seems really evident. We, we've been, as filmmakers, I guess, and I'm thinking about some of the tools we're using, we've been collaborating remotely for years. It's what mm-hmm, we do. You, mm-hmm. know, you shoot something in one country, send it off over the internet to be reviewed somewhere else and then edited somewhere else again. Um, the rest of the world's just suddenly crashed into, by necessity, needing to to use technology to, to kind of exist and cope and, and keep working. Um, so, yeah, I, I do think there'll be a, a long-term impact on business. Because one of the other things in the, in the film is... Um the uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's character sort of dies very early into the film from this virus and Kate Winslet is um, employed by the CDC to kind of see who she's come into contact with, who's potentially at risk of of getting this virus and, uh, you know, so on and so forth. And um, there's a bit when she goes to her office, to, to Gwyneth Paltrow's office, and, and there's this sort of nervous exchange where the colleagues are... Um, kind of talking about these interactions that they've maybe had with her. Hello, I'm Dr. Mears. I'm an epidemic intelligence service officer. I'm here from Atlanta to find out what happened to Beth Emhoff. Okay, I'm gonna ask you some questions. There was a package I... messenger from Hong Kong. I opened it with scissors. No, I'm not sure. It shouldn't be an issue. Virus can't live for days on a box. We did Pilates together. I called her after she got back. I never heard from her. So you had no contact with her? No. Did she go to the class? I I didn't see her there. We had coffee the day she left. I think she might have moved my cup because it was on some papers. I can't remember. How many days ago? About 10 days. That's okay. The incubation period is less than that. Is there anyone else who might have had contact with her? This was everyone. Aaron Barnes did. Barnes, he worked on another floor. There were documents she needed to sign. He picked her up from the airport. He picked her up from the airport? Yes. For a period at least, do you think we're going to start to see, you know, with with the movements towards working from home and things, I mean, do you reckon that there'll be more of an argument to be made for almost like self-imposed isolation of if you've been on a business trip, if you've been overseas, you work from home for a week when you get back? And things like that. Oh yeah, companies will naturally adopt that policy, won't they? Let's mm. be a little bit, little bit wary, a little bit safe. If we've sent someone to travel somewhere, come back, work from home for for, for a period. Um, that seems an obvious kind of. I mean, 
like that was kind of the reference I was making to 9-11. I, I don't see these being consequences that evaporate over the year or two to come. I see them as always, it's going to forever change how certain things happen and how mm. business is conduct, conducted, for sure. Let's move on to the fake news thing. So so Jude Law, apart from, <laughs> apart from sporting um, an Austin Powers-esque set of dentures in the movie, um, he he plays this this kind of this dodgy guy who's, who's spreading fake news and stuff, and um, starts talking about this drug called Forsythia. He's he, this character has a meeting with a with a, a hedge a hedge fund manager, and the guy's basically saying, "Look, you're ahead of the curve. You know what's happening. Tell me which drugs are um, going to sell. Which drugs are the ones?" And he starts saying, "Oh, well, you know." Forsythia and, and essentially kind of creates this deal with this hedge fund manager that um, ultimately we're gonna they're gonna create a need by he's gonna create a need by pressing this Forsythia drug and making it seem as if it's something special and in return that's gonna press you know press stocks up and uh, there's a bit when Lawrence Fishburne is is kind of having an argument with Jude Law on the telly. There are people who are sick people who are dying and we they don't keep you safe from this any more than they kept us safe about the wall street or katrina dr cheva is being a bit disingenuous when he says every american citizen we're working very hard to find out where this virus came from to treat it and to vaccinate against it if we can we don't know all of that yet we just don't know what we do know is that in order to become sick you have to first come in contact with a sick person or something that they touched in order to get scared, all you have to do is come in contact with a rumor or the television or the internet. I think what Mr. Crumwoody is uh, is spreading is far more dangerous than the disease. And we're seeing, a lot, we're seeing a lot of that at the minute, right? I mean, you hinted at it earlier on with the dolphins in the Venice, you know, the Venetian canals, like total pure fiction, right? And, um, you know, the I think, you know, the National Geographic did this article recently where they debunked that and said that it's not true. There are some wonderful natural things going on, some improvements, but dolphins in the canals of Venice is, is total baloney. And people were angry with them for this, saying, you know, why can't we, li- you, you, why don't you just let us have that nugget of wisdom, that nugget of ignorance? And it's like telling a kid who's sitting on Santa's lap that Santa's not real. And, I, and, it, and it, you know, it's a kind of, an interesting idea, but um, I think we all want the truth, and um, there's a lot that's spewed around, and and I'm wondering whether you know channels of communications for businesses. I'm seeing it a lot at the minute where people are panicking. They're trying to wade through a lot of misinformation. I mean, even around this furloughing and, and things like that is businesses are desperately trying to to get information out to people, but misinformation spreads so much quicker than the truth. And so I'm wondering whether that's going to maybe have some sort of impact in transparency and like um, how businesses communicate with their staff outside of crises such as these, but just in general communications. Because do you think, what do you reckon, like, do you think there's going to be, do, do you think this is something people are going to take on board? People are going to worry about the way they communicate with their staff or do you think people are going to be more mistrusting or more trusting of their um, senior leaders in the future? Or, or, I mean, am I just talking rubbish? I don't know. Like, what do you, what do you think? I think, bizarrely, now is the time when leaders can and probably will be judged a little more critically than they've been before. You know, mm. I think the way you behave now 
will redefine your relationships. We all know of brands that we feel have taken advantage of the situation and that's going to do irreparable damage to those brands. Yeah. Um, we know probably of, of people whose organizations have treated them well and with respect and honesty and again reflects very well on them i'm gonna be a a a little bit of a fanboy at the minute um an apple fanboy not (laughs) why would you why would you be a fanboy of apple adam (laughs) uh, i might have worked for apple for i don't know if i told you that before i spent like probably the best six years of my career working apple um and i think one of the things that i've taken from those years that I, I just hold them in such high regard and respect for is is a willingness to say we don't know and that's the first thing you learn i started in an apple store and then progressed into their kind of head office european head office organization and the one of the first things i learned probably day one in in the store was it's okay to say you don't know and mm-hmm. that's very different any mm-hmm. other organization i'd ever worked for you'd go a long way before someone would admit they didn't know something um, and Apple's perspective is there's nothing wrong with saying you don't know. Your mm. best bet is to be honest with a customer and say, I don't know. But hey, let's figure it out together. We can find the answer to this question together and we will yeah. go learn something. And I think the organizations that are honest with their people get a, a lot more credibility for that. I have no issue with an organization saying, hey, guys, this is a scary, different, unprecedented time. We do not have the answers, but we're going we're gonna to find answers together with you. Mm-hmm. And, and as we get information that's right and valid, we'll share it. And I think there's so much power in that for organizations. Like I said, they can reform their relationships with people over this, this kind of crisis. Um, I think most of us respond better when a CEO puts out you know, a, a video piece to camera or, or a a note that is clearly written by them it's not been written by a press person mm-hmm. it's been written by them from the heart very honest very simple and that's what we respond to mm. whenever we make videos so many times folks are surprised how powerful the unscripted kind of documentary pieces that we make how successful they are they get surprised by that yeah and yet that's what people respond to people will tell something's been scripted and, and, and choreographed just honest human communication is, is way more powerful yeah no I, I think you're right and it, I mean it is hard because it's not it's not as clear-cut and, and we both know that um, obviously that is an ideal but I think it's the right ideology to chase because um, with it, it, it goes both ways I mean there's a scene in the film where was well, two scenes so Marianne Coulthard's character is kidnapped when she goes out to Hong Kong because the guy that's her um, liaison has, a, he comes from a small village in this province, and and um, everyone in the village is is being ignored in this crisis. So he kidnaps her under the assumption that they will have to give him um, some sort of cure for this virus because he has this important government official with him, and similarly. Um, Lawrence Fishburne's house gets burgled and these two um, uh, burglars kind of are threatening his girlfriend and say, where is it? Where is it? And, you know, where's the antidote? And she's like, I don't have it. And he's like, of course you have it. He's, you know, he's the head of the CDC or he, you know, he's a senior role in the CDC. Of course he has it. And I think that that perception of privilege is something that it's a prejudice that we all hold, right? We all assume that, oh, yeah, because that person's, 
the CEO or that person's got X amount of money or that person's worth this amount. They're untouchable. They're not going to be affected by this. And so I'm thinking that that perception you're talking about, that um, sorry, that um, idea of transparency and, and, and honesty, I think will erode a lot of that perception of privilege um, yeah. going forward. And if not, you know, we've always got McDonald's Twitter feed, which is always an interesting <laughs> avenue of truth. Other burger vendors are available, uh, but, and, but and I should just say that's Brad Williams. Yeah, Ronald. In case you're listening, Adam Adam loves you, and he's enjoyed I your do. burgers and chicken nuggets for many years. In many uh, countries, in many I've countries. been submitting. I've actually been working on my accounts. Um, I'm serious. My finances spreadsheet for the last twelve months because I've got nothing else to do at the minute. And I couldn't believe the number of countries of it in McDonald's. <laughs> Honestly, I think my favourite story of, you, of McDonald's is Indonesia, where we were offered all this delicious, authentic, traditional Indonesian food, and you still insisted on shipping out for a flipping Big Mac. <laughs> it's unreal. Absolutely unreal. There is photographic evidence on Instagram of there you is. enjoying that burger more than I did, actually. So you can talk. <laughs> um, anyway, so getting back to McDonald's, their, their Twitter feed is amazing. Like their marketing team are just spot on, and um, they present their brand as something very real and just very human. And um, there was a tweet the other day where they'd said, um, "When we come back, what song shall we come back with?" And someone said, "Return of the Mac." And then someone else um, said, uh, my milkshake brings all the boys to the stores. And then McDonald's responded, and they're like, it's better than yours. And then the person responded, damn right, it's better than yours. And then someone else put in, um, I, could tri- I could teach you, but I'm unable to because the milkshake machine doesn't work. And then... <laughs> And then McDonald's had put oomph or burn or something like that. I can't remember off it. But I was like, can you, this is a huge brand and they're literally getting into this exchange. But it's just, so, just, literal, it's just ridiculousness of it. This is, this is what I hope for, like, for, for brands, for, for commercial operations. There are companies that have been doing this human touch for years and mm. killing it. Mm. McDonald's, Apple, uh, Innocent are renowned for it. There are organizations that are just, just running away with it their, mm. their kind of tone of voice the way they talk and interact with their communities the way they presumably talk to their staff and in fact i've been on the inside i've seen how they a lot of those brands talk to their staff mm-hmm. um the, none of this is is surprising like i said earlier a lot of brands are probably surprised how well they can work remotely and how productive their staff are yeah and it's a shame it's taken this to kind of recognize that but now that we're there, I think there's an opportunity to embrace it. There's a new way of thinking, mm-hmm. new way of working, new way of communicating, and it's more honest, human, humble, um, direct. Uh, and and do you know what? There's the commercial benefits as well. This is it's not you know it's it's bizarre actually how you can do something that would seem to be anti-business and actually improves your business. Yeah, because um, let's not forget, right? We're talking about contagion here. And contagion, uh, yeah. Um, Elliot Gould, um, you know Elliot Gould, right? You, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's uh, he plays a scientist. Uh, uh, I can't remember the. I think they call it a level seven, a level five, or NC five, or something like that. When they realised that this, there's a lot more to it, and it's quite scary, and 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 there's there's potential for for panic worldwide. Um, the 
there's this conversation between Lawrence Fishburne and uh, Jennifer Ehill, I can't pronounce her surname, Eel, or E-H-L-E, however you pronounce that. Um, and she, she, he basically says to her, look, just tell him to burn his samples. We're going to keep this at an NC7 rating or an N7 rating, whatever it is. And so she phones him up and she says, burn the samples. And he's like, yeah, but I can help you. I can, I can work with you on this. She says, like, look, it's above your pay grade. I'm sorry. You've got to burn your samples. And uh, he's upset about it. And then he decides to ignore that, that um, directive. Essentially, there's a reaction that he figures out with, with certain strains of, of, of other viruses and so it gives them a leap in the investigation and then it leads to the um it leads to the antidote being created and um i'm calling it an antidote i don't know what you call it is it a vaccine a vaccine isn't it um could be either yeah yeah so anyway and so the point is that we we profess to live in a world of non-linear information sharing but i think we all accept that in certain institutions certain organizations there's still a case of okay well prove to me why your your idea is better or i'm not interested in that idea because it's come from somebody who doesn't understand the full picture or, or things like that there's there's it's it's odd to me because we come from a collaborative field right so we come from a world where any idea could be the best and it doesn't matter who comes up with that idea as long as it's the best idea and i and i'm just thinking that you're talking about the human touch and and transparency and all these different things i wonder whether this is part of that too this idea of 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 removing a lot of the barriers that are placed uh, a lot of communication barriers and and a lot of the this idea of feeding things up the chain we have this kind of top to bottom view of things and and whether we're going to see a more lateral approach to that yes simple <laughs> done no i do and it's it's what we've we've been saying throughout is that um this has forced our hands a little bit and so in some organizations this is this is actually a mass experiment that's taking place and we're learning about what's possible mm. for other organizations they're they're running as they always have and they've, they've adapted instantaneously um but i again I, I don't think there can be no consequence i think there is always going to be a consequence so a long lasting impression of this um and we are being forced at this time probably to communicate more than we've done before, actually. Uh, and this brings into sharp relief, actually, perhaps flaws where we didn't communicate enough. And we, we, we've just realized there's so much more we can achieve by, by working collaboratively. Yeah. Um, or maybe that's just an idealistic kind of view and, and hope. Um, but that's certainly what I'm kind of seeing um, every day when I open my inbox. Organizations, brands that I relate to and associate with almost rewriting their messaging in a way I've not seen before as a new kind of tone to what they're saying as they've, they've realized the opportunity um, to, to communicate more deeply. Yeah. I think it's because people got more time to listen as well, right? I think that's mm -hmm. a big part of it is, is the listening and the paying attention, not that sort of, yeah, we'll file that in the suggestions box yeah. in the bottom of the bin, you know? I suspect we're going to be busier than ever later this year when, when this is all passed because people will have dreamt up things they've long wanted to do, to launch, to say, and we'll be yeah. making videos and, and all kinds of products to to get those messages out. I won't, we won't get into it too much, but there are a few other things that from the film I felt were, were quite interesting. There was this whole thing around panic buying and sustainability, and, and I know that some of our clients are becoming you know, more 
ethically um, aware, conscious. Aware, conscious. Yeah, they're sort of they're in, you know they're becoming more aware of those things and 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 implementing changes to the way their businesses run. Um, but I also think that. Um, with that wellness side of things, like it's one thing to say to people, yeah, take a break every 40 minutes, you know, go, we've, we do, I think there's also that sense of trying, trying to teach people. And this is a strange one because there's, there's an option here, a potential here for, for corporations and businesses, regardless of size, to take more of a step towards helping people understand how to prepare themselves and take care of themselves outside of the work it's one thing to say to someone oh if you need something call me but then when that person's up against it and you know so kate wins the character for example she catches the virus and she dies and 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 this is and the lead up to this is lawrence fishburne just on the phone to her saying you know i'm here i've done this before it's a real hard slog you know bounce ideas off me talk to me but that doesn't stop the fact that she's being run into the ground and eventually that that she meets her own demise through that I definitely think there's there's opportunity here for businesses to to help people understand beyond the nine to five. Do, do you agree? Do you disagree? What do you think about that sort of approach? Um, I think if you look at the trends for the kinds of projects we've been asked to get involved with over the last mm. couple of years, it's it's everything that we need. And by need, I mean the things we are now relying on through uh, the, the forces that we're, we're facing through mm. coronavirus. Everything we've worked on has been uh, about flexible working, working from home, work-life balance, mental health and well-being, wellness. Um, you know, all these kind of topics that are very topical for lots of yeah. organisations and have been, have become even more so, mm. even more topical than we imagined they were 12 months ago or two years ago. Mm. Um, so there is a an added emphasis and focus I think now and, and there will be going forward I think um, and brands are recognising and if they haven't they'll be one of the, the few stragglers really to not recognise the importance of, of looking after your people you know it's, um, we, we've, we've learned through this really just how fragile uh, the infrastructure of our businesses is people are everything yeah. absolutely you can have all the systems in the world and all the technology, if you haven't got people to kind of run and act as the substance of the business, the business grounds to a halt. So. I think um, at any time we've worked on a, a video that is really about a brand's values, those are the projects that I enjoy the most. Mm. Or when we've written manifestos or we've designed artwork to some something, some piece of content you can hold up at any point and say, this is what we believe. And that's where your, your DNA of an organization lives and that's where the, what you're saying should come through that the people mm. matter and are central mm. um, and uh, I think that's so valuable for a company to have where's the thing where's the video we can at any point we lose our way we can watch that and there in a nutshell is our value we're going to hold ourselves against mm. but I, I, I see value in that now's the time for organizations to kind of put a stake in the ground and, and, and commit to here's what's important to us and and actually it needs to be a, a lot more than uh, we exist to service our customer that's mm. easy anyone can write that that is not uh, a brand value a brand value is is what you believe is important and what what you do to kind of protect and um and prove it cool 
it's time for uh, a review score. So, uh, first of all, out of out of five, how relevant is Contagion for consumption in today's world? Um, I just think it's a five. I think you just watch it. Got it. Just because yeah. you just got to watch a film, right? Just because it's a film that needs to be watched. Um, yeah. Okay, so then give me, can I have a, a score out of five for the film as a piece of filmmaking? Now, as a piece of filmmaking, okay. Brad Williams review. <clears throat> I'm going to give it a four. Um, it's quite a high score still. Yeah, I, I think it's well written, it's well acted. Um, I think it's Steven Soderbergh at probably his most palatable. Um, it's not obnoxious, it's not dumb, it's not patronising, it's, um, okay. and, uh, in terms of the cinematography, I mean, it's, it's all very naturalistic, so there's nothing of note, um, there's a couple of cool shots and things, but I did just think in general, it's, um, um, I liked it when it first came out, I've seen it a few times since, and it seems like an appropriate time to revisit it. Yeah. And some ensemble as well, that's a heck of a cast you've Yeah, man. Listing as you were going. Yeah, you've got Matt Damon, Lawrence Fishburne, Jude Law, John Hawkes, Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, Marianne Coulthard. Yeah, there's loads of people in it. It's Kate Winslet, just banging on and on and on. It's crazy. Elliot Gould, even Brian Cranston pops up in in it for a minute. But uh, he's wow. not selling crystal meth. He's uh, he's trying to save the world. So he's doing <laughs> I don't the know other what the crystal, role. <laughs> I don't know what the crystal meth references are because I haven't Shut seen Breaking up. Bad. You're such a sorry. How have you never seen Breaking Bad? Honestly, it can be said about a lot of things I haven't seen. I think we should do a podcast on how you've missed some of the most significant TV of the 20th and 21st century. <laughs> sorry, it's on a list somewhere. I'll do, get to it one day. We could do a watch when party. I get my, when I get my work-life balance a bit sorted out, then I'll go watch these things. <laughs> What, but what I love most is when like you haven't watched like some significant films and then you'll tell me like oh I went and watched the remake of The Lion King or, or something <laughs> like that and it's like it's like you're saying you know I didn't bother to read Moby Dick or Great Expectations or or anything like that but I did read Harry McClary so <laughs> I've done that <laughs> and I've somehow fashioned a career making films and videos so I know it's mad, unbelievable it? isn't it it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Till next time. Till next time. Thank you.